This is The Guardian. Today, why one community in Essex is standing up to the Salvation Army. Just a magnificent view, though, isn't yeah, it, yeah. over the estuary from here? I mean, this area here, before this house was built in 18 million era, it was part of King John's Hunting Lodge. Okay. Um, so it was 1247, I think. Peggy has been living on the Thames estuary in Hadley, in Essex, for 38 years. She's made her home as a tenant in a house owned by the Salvation Army a charity and a Christian mission founded in 1865 to help the poor, the destitute and the hungry. It's known worldwide for the good works it does, for its annual fundraising at Christmas, for its charity shops and its temples, where Salvationists aim to offer a different kind of church community. Hi, this is Michael Flatley. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the Salvation Army for all of the great work they do in helping people that are experiencing homelessness. Hello everybody, Sue Pollard here, and I'm just reminding you, as if you needed reminding, of all the fabulous work the Salvation Army volunteers do. But Peggy is one of dozens of Hadley residents housed by the Salvation Army who have been neglected and ignored for years. Their homes are in serious disrepair. They have lived with fire risks, damp and rat infestations. This isn't the old boy who's standing up the road playing a trumpet with a collection can. These are professional people yeah. that are qualified and extremely well paid. are the Salvation Army failing to take responsibility and forcing their tenants to endure dangerous living conditions? The Guardian's Simon Goodley, in partnership with ITV News, has been investigating how things have gone so badly wrong. From The Guardian, I'm Noshi Iqbal. Today in Focus, the Salvation Army's mission is to provide charity and prevent homelessness. So why is it accused of behaving like a rogue landlord? Simon Goodley, you work on business investigations at The Guardian. How did you first come to this story? Well, it was actually a story that had come to us a couple of years ago when a resident got in touch with a colleague of mine and she was a tenant of the Salvation Army and she thought they were acting like a rogue landlord. OK, so what did you do next? Where did you go? Well, we went down to Hadley, which is a village, or what was a village, and now it probably counts as a small town in Essex. This was the first appearance of the description Salvation Army. It's an historically uh, significant setting. A striking name, wholly descriptive of its purpose and character, the appropriateness of which has never been questioned. Back in 1891, the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth, bought Hadley Farm, and it was like his first effort to introduce... I guess what at the time was a revolutionary social experiment of trying to get 
people in poverty and homelessness out of London's East End, teach them new skills and give them a home on a working farm. And I mean, it's a magnificent actual setting. So you get these mm. sort of fantastic views over the estuary and over farmland and over a ruined castle. The legacy of this army that William Booth, God's soldier, left to mankind is marching vigorously in every clime, sustaining his message of boundless salvation, so rich and so free. Thank you. So I first went to Hadley in January. And I met Peggy, the tenant who first got in touch with us in 2019. And then it's just been left like this for four years. Scandalous. We walk round. Where are we now? Number one. There's about 40 houses there that the Salvation Army owns. This is empty as well. There's a number that have been vacant for quite some time, actually. It's a lovely little place, look. I mean, where they're boarded up and there's, like, danger signs keep out. Right. Uh, they've really fallen into that sort of level of disrepair. A lot of the people there, some of them have been there for a long period of time and so have got very good tenancy agreements. Others are on more standard ones. Some of them have got connections with the Salvation Army. Others have got zero connection. But it's not like they're paying a peppercorn rent or anything. Mm. They're paying a proper rent. Hello, my little old girl. Hello. Lucy Simon. So what kind of conditions is Peggy living in herself? Well, Peggy has made her house very homely. And you walk in and it doesn't leap out at you and say, this is a terrible place to live. She keeps it very nice. But then you start to notice when she points them out to you, the problems. I mean, when when our local MP came round... She was nearly physically sick as she walked up my stairs because of the stench that was coming from downstairs. Not to mention the fact that she's living around a load of empty properties with all of the problems that that entails. So this is the one below you, where there was the dead rat? Dead uh, dead rats, Mm -hmm. live rats running. There was two contractors come round and uh, they literally open the door and then run back out in the garden and slam the door. They were too frightened to go in there because there was su- it was running with rats. It was and and the guy from the Salvation Army tried to tell me there were no rats. <laughs> he also told me there was no damp and there was that flood yeah. in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And you begin to realise how difficult it is to live there. So there's problems with damp there, but the particular problem in those properties is that they're effectively a fire hazard. So the problem is there is no party wall between the two lofts, and as a consequence, that's a fire risk. The actual party wall itself has a huge great crack in it. That is a terrible fire risk. It's only half a brick wide. They're all properties that are joined up, and there's no way that you would be able to stop a fire spreading across those properties if one started. So they're risky properties, but also they've got kind of problems which would grind you down over the years, a damp, cold, draft. There has been floods. I've had no heating. I've had no water. The list just goes on. And what about Peggy's neighbours? Did you get a nosy in on anyone else's homes in the street? Yeah, so we visited an elderly lady in her 80s called Rita who lives there with her middle-aged son, David. Mm. And their property, I thought it was the most shocking one we visited because Rita's not that stable on her feet. She walks around with a frame. 
you approach the property and the road, which is a Salvation Army road, is in a terrible condition. I mean, it's difficult to walk on if you're a 30-year-old with a pair of walking boots, but right. there's potholes and it's a, on a camber. And so uh, Rita's been housebound, really, for a, a lot of time. But you go in and there's significant damp in that house. You can see it on the walls. David cleans it off, but it keeps coming back. And there's a very good reason for this. There's been a hole in the roof for years. And how long has there been no tile on the roof? Uh, oh, I don't know. I've, I've probably we've reported that even when my dad was still alive and he died in 2015. So. And they've just left it? In well, the they keep, like I say, every year they have a survey mm -hmm. bloke come round. Any problems, yeah, and you report, point out all the same things again. And then uh, that's about it. <laughs> they've reported it numerous times to the Salvation Army and nothing has been done. So the rain comes in, it runs down a beam, comes down into the bedrooms, comes down a wall. There's mould sitting there all throughout that sort of side of the property. It must be really especially difficult as an elderly woman like Rita to be in these conditions. Did you actually get a chance to speak to her and what did she have to say? Rita's story was actually, I mean, it was really moving. Does Rita feel the, the drafts? Yes, yeah, she lot? feels the drafts very, very badly. It affects her. She has arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. It must be, I mean, that, especially at the moment with energy bills being so high, is that must be a challenge, heating the house. Basically, the central heating is on near enough 24 hours a day. That's expensive. It, yes, yeah. How do you cope? I pray. I talk to him all the time. You pray? Yes. You're a Christian? Yes, I believe that he's there listening to me. The Salvation Army is a Christian organisation, isn't Although, it? When I first met up with people like that, they were lovely, but it's all changed over the years. I don't know why. It's sad. It wasn't even that she felt angry about the conditions she'd been left in. I think that part of her couldn't understand it and part of her felt really disappointed. And she was speaking as a devout Christian, somebody who visited Salvation Army temples, whose husband, when he was alive, worked for the Salvation Army. And it was kind of this puzzlement about how could this Christian organisation allow this to happen. described it just it just sounds so grim are the living conditions that salvation army tenants living in on this street like peggy's house for example are they a danger to life potentially yes yeah. so it's not just a journalist walking in there and saying oh this is terrible we spoke to steve mckenzie who's an independent fire safety consultant who said that this property was a fire hazard this building's a fire trap for a number of reasons ranging from the open plan nature of the kitchen within the main accommodation and accommodation stair, which is your primary means of escape, the inadequate fire detection, there are no CO2 detectors, an electrical system that has been condemned at some point, and the list goes on. So Simon, from what you found, the Salvation Army is renting out homes that are not only unfit for living in, but are also dangerous. Now, this is already a shocking state of affairs, but it's especially damning because 
they know that some of these tenants, like Rita, who you talked about earlier, are really vulnerable and desperately need help. How have the residents of Hadley coped? What are they going through? Tenants cope in quite extraordinary ways. They're incredibly resilient. So David and his mother, elderly mother Rita, have got a hole in the roof and the rain comes in and it makes the property damp and cold. And he constantly wipes down the wall. He's been, until recently, redecorating the place with his own money, although now he says he's just given up because it's just not worth it. None of it really does any good. It just makes life slightly more bearable each time. In 2018, when there was rats, floods, I had no heating, I had no water, I got a letter through the post saying they're putting my rent up. I mean, it was the stress and anxiety it, it has just been overwhelming. I've had to have counselling in 2019 because I thought I was going to have a breakdown. I really did. <laughs> That's where I could cry, sorry. Simon, can you walk us through how the tenants have tried to alert the Salvation Army about these problems and whether they've had a response? So, I mean, this goes back to around about 2014 when complaints were being started to be made about these properties. So the Salvation Army has been alerted every year, not to mention people actually making sort of direct complaints, going to the Salvation Army, saying enough is enough. There's like time after time after time that these problems were made apparent to the Salvation Army, which is almost the most shocking thing because just nothing happened. Nothing happened. So it's not just an administrative error or, you know, one person left the job and the next person wasn't aware. There's a catalogue of complaints year in, year out that they also know about. And as you've said, they do nothing. How does this situation then come to a head? In 2018, it became apparent to the tenants and the council that the Salvation Army was considering evicting all of the Hadley tenants. And... In some respects, it came to a head then because the Salvation Army did turn up to have a meeting with tenants to try and, well, I guess to try and put their minds at rest that they weren't about to be homeless in the next couple of weeks. But that meeting was an absolute disaster. What happened? So one of the tenants recorded that meeting in as much that the Salvation Army turned up with senior people had a couple of sound bites about we've got no plans to evict you but then when the inevitable questions come about are you planning to evict us in six months or you know a year's time they either couldn't or wouldn't give an answer uh, we want to work with you to keep you in safe and acceptable accommodation but i hope during this meeting that uh, you will understand why even though that is our wish it's not always easy or simple to fulfill that wish. They did apologise, but it, it doesn't seem sincere. It doesn't seem genuine. It sounds like people from the Salvation Army turned up at that meeting and just wanted the problem to go away and the tenants to go away and not hassle them. You don't need me to tell you that times have changed since the way in which we, the Salvation Army used to work with people. I mean, the Salvation Army definitely underestimated the sense of community that was there in Hadley among their tenants, how well prepared the tenants came to the meeting. So 
Peggy in particular was fired up and is very articulate and passionate on this subject and so was asking plenty of questions along with her neighbours that were really putting the Salvation Army on the spot. The meeting quickly descended into a really sort of confrontational encounter. You felt anxious and stressed and how a charity do try to help the vulnerable, help the homeless and you've treated us all like that. It's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. I understand that you apologise, but you've got to understand you're not really giving us any answers here and you're not making us feel any better. You're, you're saying in six months' time, chances are, we're all going to be out in our era. It's not going to look very good, is it? It's not going to look very good for the Salvation Army. The tenants were asking punchy questions but not certainly not unreasonable questions you know you want to know that you can still live in your house you want to know if you're living in your house then problems are going to be sorted out and a lot of the time what was coming back was either a soundbite or kind of corporate speak and it was obvious that the tenants were not very impressed with the response that they were getting so it left the tenants really cross that they were actually going to be evicted I mean, certainly the tenants thought and the council thought that the Salvation Army were planning to evict everybody because the cost of repairing and updating the houses would have been huge. And the Salvation Army made it very clear during the meeting that they didn't really want to spend their money <laughs> on doing these houses up. Why, why is eviction even being mentioned? Now? Because when we spend charitable money, we have to spend it on charitable objectives. And being a commercial landlord is not an objective of the Salvation Army. So if you were to evict us, you're making at least 15 families potentially homeless, and that goes against everything that Salvation Army stands for. So how would you justify that? Well, legally we can. Legally we can. So it comes down to a legal issue rather than... um, That's the struggle. Between legal and... It's not a struggle, though, is it? It's It's not if it's what you stand for. It is if you're sitting where we sit sometimes and we have... So it's about money? Yeah. It's about how we spend our money. So the Salvation Army is a commercial landlord. It takes a rental income from its tenants and yet it's seemingly not using any of that money to maintain those houses, as a landlord is supposed to. And in fact, from that meeting, they seem to question whether they even should be keeping these houses at all, despite also being a charitable organisation that is committed to helping the homeless and those in poverty. How are they justifying this? Well, (laughs) the explanation never really made sense, but they were saying that they could take income or receive income from their tenants and that would go into the charitable pot. Even though they'd received that income from tenants, they couldn't then use that income to spend on those tenants. The figure, if we were to do everything, is huge. Yeah. Millions. Yeah. Okay. They've got millions. So what we, well, 
Because the cost of repairs, I'll mention that. Do you know why the cost of repairs are as great as they are? Because you've ignored it for the last 30 no, that's years. Why. That's why. Yes. So the last 30 years of rent, I'm sure if you tallied that up, you could probably cover the cost of the repairs. No, because you spend it on other things. Even though you can go on their website and see what their charitable objectives are, and it doesn't say, obviously, to be a commercial landlord, but it does say that you're there to support people in poverty. You're there as a salvationist to look after people in distress and to act in a Christian way. So it was a very odd argument to say that it wasn't part of their charitable objectives to actually make sure that people living in their houses actually had a decent house to live in. So having gone through what happened at that meeting and sort of maybe melted your mind on the circular logic being presented by the Salvation Army, what happens next? Does the meeting help the tenants in any way? Well, I think it probably focuses the mind of the council and the environmental health officers, but nothing happens. So in terms of their lives and their conditions, it doesn't help them, nothing changes. And so a year down the line, the council writes to the Salvation Army, basically tearing its hair out, calling the whole situation a sordid mess, accusing the Salvation Army of effectively trying to force their tenants out because of the poor conditions and not spending any money on them. And so if anything, it probably got the council more involved. But then it created a situation where the Salvation Army then said, OK, we are going to do something. And that's kind of where we came into this story. That's where Peggy had initially contacted us in 2019. But it's when the Salvation Army then says, OK, we've heard from the council, we're hearing all of this, we're going to sort it out, that she steps back and says, OK, I'm willing to trust them now. I'm willing to believe that they are going to be true to their word and behave like a, a charity. Or even a landlord. Or even, a, oh yeah, or even most commercial landlords in the country and uh, actually put everything right. But still, nothing happened. Coming up, how does a charity like the Salvation Army stray so far from its principles? Simon, for many of us, when you think of the Salvation Army, it brings to mind brass bands on lawns, a Christian sense of fairness and kindness, raising money for good causes, preventing people from falling into poverty. How has this neglect been allowed to happen on their watch? I mean, it's still a mystery to me and a lot of us who've looked at this. My best guess is that as an organisation, Salvation Army is, I guess they would say literally, on the side of the angels. So therefore, anything that they do, they can perhaps justify by we are doing good. And so when things go wrong, I guess they look for excuses or it's impossible for them to see that they have behaved poorly or very difficult for them to acknowledge that they behaved poorly. And also, I guess a lot of people probably did think that they would sort it out internally, but there never seemed to be overall the organisational will or capability to do it. So it just got left. 
Well, do you know what? When I first moved in here, I was so grateful to have this place. I felt so lucky. And part of that feeling was, I thought to myself, I've got the Salvation Army as a landlord. Perfect, perfect. I, there won't be any bad treatment here. And I'm afraid to say that has not, that has not been the case. That has not happened. Simon, we've been talking about Hadley and Essex, but how many properties does the Salvation Army actually own throughout the UK? And do you think what's happening in Essex is a widespread problem that they have as a landlord, or is it only happening in this exceptional corner? I think Hadley is a specific story. Salvation Army owns thousands of properties across the country. I mean, some of them, uh, you know, they'll own a a shop or a charity shop or whatever it is. They own temples, they own homeless centres. So there's lots of those sorts of properties, but there's also a lot of residential property. I mean, we have heard tenants with complaints in other parts of the country. We've also heard tenants who say that Salvation Army has been a very good landlord. So that's kind of probably what you would expect from a large landlord. Certainly we haven't got any evidence to suggest there's something as focused as there is in Hadley anywhere else at the moment. Simon, as you said, the Salvation Army confirmed that it would take a lot of money for them to fix all the issues relating to the streets in Hadley. Now, is the charity short of cash? It's definitely not short of cash. I mean, every, everybody in the country knows the Salvation Army. Everybody knows one of its biggest fundraising exercises around Christmas. Hello and welcome to the Salvation Army's annual carol concert at the Royal Albert Hall in London as we come together in Christmas celebration with the Salvation Army. Tonight we'll enjoy music from our international... I think last year, or its last financial year, that it's reported it had over £100 million of donations and legacies given by the public alone. I think there were reports in 2021 of the Salvation Army confirming that it was constructing a new 55,000 square foot headquarters in Southwark for an estimated cost of £32 million. It's got a lot of money. So if they have that much money, surely they have a moral and legal requirement to fix all of these problems? Uh, They have both. They certainly have a legal requirement I think Steve McKenzie, an expert who we got to look at the properties, said that the law was very clear in this and that this was effectively a breach of housing law. If you have the property, you've got a statutory responsibility. If you're putting people in them, you have a statutory responsibility. You must maintain, you must upkeep them. It's up to you to find the money or reduce your property portfolio or your liabilities to secure the funds. I appreciate they've got a complex property portfolio, but let's prioritise on it after the tens of millions of pounds they spent on their new headquarters. But I think most people say that if it's the Salvation Army renting them, then they have an extra moral obligation to do that. When it's the Salvation Army that gets huge donations from the public by portraying itself as a Christian charity doing good works and... Indeed, it does do good works, but if it's taking donations on that basis and then it is completely ignoring tenants and they leave them to live in substandard housing conditions for years on end, I mean, that is appalling behaviour. So, I mean, it may seem like a, <laughs> a daft question, but what, I mean, what do you think of the Salvation Army and how they've treated you and your mum? I just think it's, uh, well, it's just poor, isn't it? It's not the way you treat people you you meant to look after them they do all them adverts on tv going into old people's houses and looking after them and things like that 
but when they've got their own tenants, they don't seem to want to do anything for them. <laughs> Simon, that fiery meeting we heard about was now four years ago, and at the time, I guess it seemed to the tenants that they secured a win by not being evicted. But from everything you said, they weren't able to get proper repairs done to their home. But how have the Salvation Army been responding in general? What, what have they actually done in the last four years? They have done very, very little. Some people have left since then, but in terms of the tenants who are there, nothing has happened, or next to nothing has happened. The properties, by definition, are going to get worse during that period of time. There are a number of tenants who believe that basically the Salvation Army wants to force the tenants out so that they can do something else with the land. I think they want the property back. That's what I think. I think they see this as a profitable piece of real estate. And myself as a tenant, I have no value to them at all. You're in the way. I'm in the way, yeah. Simon, after all of these years of getting nowhere, have any of the people you spoke to thought about giving up and moving elsewhere? Is that even an option for some of them? The thing about this is, and I know this is a question that probably a lot of people who have not experienced this think, why don't you just move? Well, it's not always so easy. They've been living there for generations. They've got ties. They've got roots there. I don't want to move because this is my home. I have lived here for 38 years and I love my home. I mean, if I wanted to move, I would have moved a long time ago. My mother just lives up the road. I care for my mother. My friends are here. My neighbour is my friend. Move where? This is my home. When you go and visit, you can see and you can feel the sense of community and the friendships that are there. So Peggy and Rita and David, for example, so... Peggy will pop over and help Rita with various things or go and have a cup of tea with her or whatever it is. Thank you very much, Peggy. I'm sorry I can't get across the road to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay. Right, OK, my darling girl. I want to give you a hug and a kiss, but I can't because, really, I shouldn't have even got that close to you because of the... How dare you? I know. We're all rejected, that last thing. Yeah, me too, but you... You know, Rita knew Peggy's mum and so she'll be asking about that or reminiscing about memories and things that they got up to and all that sort of stuff which you would lose the moment that people start to move away from the area. This story sounds like an utter scandal and so incredibly damaging for the Salvation Army's reputation. How do you think the organisation will respond? Well if history is a guide they will do nothing. We've asked for interviews with senior figures and we've been told they're not going to give interviews with the people who are responsible. They've issued a statement from the Salvation Army Territorial Commander, a commissioner called Anthony Cottrell. He says he's deeply sorry, saying as well as offering an unreserved apology, he'd like to offer a reassurance that for some months now they've been working on an urgent action plan to bring these properties up to the correct standard. He acknowledges that the tenants are angry and have a right to be angry. The obvious problem with that is that tenants have been hearing for many years that things will be improved. And certainly in the meantime, there's still a hole in the roof. There's still damp on the walls. There's still fire hazards. The, the problem is, Ray, this is what my problem is. They nearly did it before and they could easily do it again. So what I'm hoping is by exposing this, it will shame them into a position where they don't do that to us. Until us and 
definitely the tenants see that the work has been done. I think the expectation is that nothing will happen and everything will continue as it has done for the past eight years. Simon, thanks very much. That was Simon Goodley. My thanks to him, ITV News, and especially to the residents of Hadley. We put the issues raised in today's episode directly to the Salvation Army. Concerning the condition of the Hadley homes, the charity said they were committed to addressing the problems there. When asked about the numerous breaches of housing law, they did not respond directly, and when pressed on their record of broken promises, a spokesperson told us they had apologised for the delay and said they could offer reassurance that they were now taking action. One more thing. On Monday, The Guardian is launching its new daily newsletter, First Edition. Archie Bland and Naimo Omer will bring the top stories and why they matter to your inbox every weekday at 7am, so you can scroll less and understand more. I would highly, highly recommend subscribing. I've been reading the pilots and they're fantastically useful, insightful and quite funny. You can subscribe for free now at theguardian.com forward slash first edition. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Tom Glasser, Courtney Youssef and Rose Della Rabiti. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producers are Phil Maynard and Mythley Rao. We'll be back on Monday. This is The Guardian. <laughs>